Wednesday night. Wednesday. Wednesday night. It is August 24th, 2022. You know, I never heard a compilation of me. I made a lot of highlights of this show over the years when I didn't have people helping me making highlights. But man, to be able to hear myself say, it is January 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, all the way through August 24th. Because every day, every day is just so you're in it. And... um there's there's only so many ways you can comment on the passage of time but you know every once in a while you just look at the date and you say wow I've announced a lot of dates this year as we do every year August 24th 2022 it's Wednesday evening the hump day edition Jason Burmis is our returning guest and we're going to be asking some questions about ethics or lack thereof in contemporary technological and genetic pursuits, transhumanism, as it's all over the news constantly, while, as we were talking about last night, we'll probably be building on a few topics from last night, uh, our discussions, and then, uh, but to, to to start off with, I have to jump into Politico. What has just happened? A big pharma bait and switch that is now happening before our eyes, which we've been saying is going to happen, it was going to happen the entire time. So, and here we are without any crystal balls, not clairvoyant. It's just so obvious. We'll get to that in just a little bit. I'll see what Jason has to say about that. We have a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. And then in the second half, I've got a, a post by Martin Geddes uh, that, that asks some other meaningful questions for the times in which we live. Not necessarily on a... Um, ethereal spiritual level but more so practical questions for where we are right now the second side of the same coin you know we have the secular life that we live and then we have the unseen that is being done to us in the unseen world that is all around us it all matters and we'll be talking about that tonight in great detail and we've got just the guy to do it with because Jason Burmis is an OG and as I told you last night he's agreed to come on for the Monday September 12th show to do a little bit of, of a uh, walk through memory lane or down memory lane to talk about loose change and all of his earlier investigations and documentary work on 9-11 and that was some of the the bigger ripple-causing videos on the internet at the time, which was still a very young internet. So that's what we got going on tonight. I want to thank my sponsors, BlueMonsterPrep.com. There is no way to accentuate how important they are. They are wonderful people just as far as education goes to be able to prioritize what you want to do to make sure that your household, your fallback location is completely prepped with anything that's going to make you, your family, your friends, your immediate circle, your inner circle safe and in much better position than anybody else out there can and will be in any number of disaster situations, whether it be emergency food, emergency water, EMP protection, first aid kits, flood, lighting, 
personal protection, sanitation, security, shelter and sleeping, solar, survival kits, ready for anything kits. It's all there, bluemonsterprep.com. And if you don't know where to start, if you never bought a, a, a morsel of survival food before or anything of the sort, then you just go and you contact Pat and Gina. You call the number, you hit the contact form there. If you want to uh, email them, they'll get in touch with you and they will spend as much time on the phone as you need to be able to understand what your first steps are and uh, what, what you can be doing going forward. It's necessary. It's very, very necessary stuff. And I know that people in this audience understand because I get all the feedback, not only from them, but also from Pat and Gina. So, and also the holidays are coming up. So not only think about yourself, think about other people. You know, get them a get them a, a, a mylar, no, not the mylar, the uh, the what's call the, the tinfoil blankets, the solar blankets. You could be like like uh, Chuck McGill from Better Call Saul. Whenever you you form a a terrible affliction and an allergy to electricity, oh God forbid, I would not wish that on any of you. Wouldn't I wish that on any of you? BlueMonsterPrep.com. Use promo code Franklin. Also, the September Aurora postcard specials for her second birthday. That's up. That's up and going. All you got to do is go to the PayPal that is listed on QuiteFrankly.tv, the Sponsor Us tab, or in the description below, and just leave any PayPal that you want, and just in the PayPal, leave your address, and I'll just keep forwarding those over to Lauren, and we'll make postcards, and Aurora will scribble all over them. So we did it last year. I guess we'll make it a little bit of a tradition for as long as she's willing to sit down and doesn't... Oh, the day that that happens, my heart's going to break. She just got she just got Lauren to FaceTime me before. It was around 6.30. I was in the back. I was installing some new drum drum pedals that I got. And I saw the FaceTime. I was like, oh, great, great. It's probably Aurora and Lauren. So I hit it, and there was Aurora there. And Lauren said, she was looking for you here at home. And um, so then she put the, the FaceTime on me and Aurora can see me. She goes, hi, daddy. And when that's when she says that, it's over. It's all over. So if she ever looks at me and scoffs, oh, that would be such a heartbreaker. So I'm going to work my hardest to make that not, not be. Um, I have another great thing to announce to you. Aside from the fact that we have a great guest on tomorrow night, maybe Rob comes by. Who knows? We'll see what his day of work is like. Jay Gulinello, another night talking about based nutrition, something everybody needs to hear. Do that tomorrow before I go on my little vacation. Then we come back, and we're hitting the ground running with some awesome guests, and they keep coming in. But here's the new uh, announcement I want to make. Now, I saw this on the forum, the Quite Frankly Forum. John Otter put this up, and he asked the question, what book should Frank do for the next book club? And this has been a great thread as far as responses go. There's a lot of things in here, including Democracy in America by Alexi de Tocqueville. I think we're going to have to do that. In 2023, we're going to have to do that. I think uh, uh, here's, here's the announcement. For the fall going into you know, the holiday season, I asked Timothy Gordon, hey, you want to do another thing with me just to, to bridge the gap and close it out? He goes, yeah, but let's do something like, let's, let's do a watch party kind of a thing. So I think that we're going to do, and he suggested the first season of Stranger Things because there's so much great stuff in there. Um, hero, villain stuff. This is coming from him too. So I think we might do Stranger Things as a, almost like a film club, the start of our, our film club. But... And I'll tell you the, all the details on that as it, as it comes out. I just spoke to him about it today. 
But starting in January, you guys all have a couple of months to get your books in order and buy books for people in your life who, are, who watch the show and Christmas comes up. Make sure you have a copy of Brave New World because starting in January 2023, we are going to be doing another installment of Book Club, Brave New World, with special guest host Jay Dyer. Jay Dyer has said he he would love to do that. It would probably only be about five or six weeks. You know, it's a 300-page book compared to Windswept House, which is about 660 uh, pages. So I think that we should be able to do this in five to six weeks if we if we read about 60 pages a week. And we have Jay Dyer doing this with us, which is going to be just awesome. Those are going to be deep dives as well. And then Timothy Gordon said he would love to come back to do some book club in the spring when we pick up the behemoth the gigantic 1100 plus page the stand since we're living uh we're we're living in interesting times not as interesting as the stand but we have some some comparisons and that's a big one so brave new world the stand maybe uh maybe the talkville after that but i'll give you some more stuff to to think about it's gonna be great it's gonna be real good all right, uh, that's that's what we have there. Let's go into the grab bag, shall we? The grab bag. This is from Zero Hedge. Greta Thunberg. The cult has gone bust, says Sky News. Greta Thunberg's Thunberg's guilt trip climate change tour appears to have hit the wall as green pipe dreams with zero practical solutions meet the realities of well, reality. Or as Sky News Australia's Andrew Bolt put it, a mere child full of rage, obsessed with doom, totally devoid of any practical solutions, but here she was lecturing the world on how to fuel their 21st century economies. Over the past year, Toon Bear's movement, described by Bolt as a cult, has fizzled out. Toon Bear is now a victim of her own success in scaring people into doing very, very stupid things that we are now paying for. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? She had thespian parents. She, have, she has actor, actress, drama club parents who twisted this child, who seems like she already has some other problem going on, twisted this child into a monster. And, uh, I mean, even to her arrival, they even managed to make her arrive in New York like she was the Beatles on some sailboat or something this 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 child is coming to the united states to talk to us at the un and she's arriving by sailboat to talk about the client it was so like what the hell's going on who's this poser and who 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 are the obvious ventriloquists sitting behind her but now the party's over whatever i don't even want to watch this anymore what i am going to do well we'll watch for two minutes Breaking news, I think the Greta Thunberg cult has gone bust. I mean, Thunberg was once everywhere. She was the spiritual leader of global warming at just 16 years of age. And just the year after starting a school strike for climate movement... Now, I can't believe that she was 16 when she came over here. I said, what is she, 11? What are they doing to this child? So I knew something was wrong. Sweden. And I don't mean spiritual. I mean, one parish of the Church of Sweden even anointed her a successor to Christ. I didn't know that. Then again, that's 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 religion in the in, in the West for you now, a successor of Christ. Theory around it was incredible. She was Time Magazine's Person of the Year, nominated three times for a Nobel Peace Prize. 
most importantly, politicians couldn't get enough of her. They invited this angry schoolgirl everywhere to make themselves look, you know, in touch with the youth. Thunberg addressed France's National Assembly, addressed the European Union, lectured the United Nations Secretary General, talked at the World Economic Forum. And, and the only reason why these adults sat there in the room and didn't have their eyes roll in the back of their head, no matter what party or what kind of uh, you know, political culture that they aligned themselves with, is because she represented she represented the latest arm-twisting motion that was, that was supposed to get them trillions of dollars of capital to direct to all of their friends for one failed program or another. You remember Solyndra? You remember the little thing? You remember the hundreds of billions of dollars we've already already wasted on things? You remember you remember the uh, you remember the EPA under Obama I admitting that we we are going to cull our economy to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars, and it's just going to be symbolic, hoping that the rest of the world does the same. That we would literally kill ourselves, and we wouldn't be able to even bring the thermometer. We wouldn't even be able to bring the thermostat for the planet down a fraction of a degree where'd all the money go to people who are not worth a rat's ass that's why they, they put up with her because she's a joke a puppet uh, here's a technocracy news and trends now I wanted to read a little bit of this tonight because I know that I know that Jason Burmers had covered it over the last week and I think it's going to be a good help in talking about one thing or another tonight and and also adding on to what we did last night the World Economic Forum. Become cyborgs, chip your children, implant brain chips. The World Economic Forum is promoting augmentation technology, that's what they call it, to morph humans into cyborgs and recommends children be implanted with brain chips. You see, years ago when they were telling people to put chips into their dogs and their cats, that was something, that was a pill everybody can swallow because, oh, well, you know, if you lose your dog, we can find them quicker. Oh, I get it. I get it. Okay, okay. And then, of course, it was going to go into, well, this will be another hedge against kidnapping for your children. And then it'll be medical records. And then it'll be banking. And then it's just, it's for everybody. Oh, you can't come into the, you can't come in, can't come into the building without a chip. The brain chips will not only improve health by eradicating impairments like learning disabilities and depression, but pave the way for humans to attain superhuman capa uh, ca uh, capacities, contends an August 16th article published on the World Economic Forum website. Superhuman capacities. Quote, superheroes have been dominating big and small screens for a while, but there's a subtle change happening. Many children expect to develop superpowers themselves. These expectations may sound unattainable, but we're already making the first strides toward an augmented society, writes World Economic Forum. Yeah, if they were going to be able to turn anybody into superheroes, you don't think that Klaus Schwab would be flying around the world already? That he wouldn't be hovering that they would have already done this to themselves to make them look like the gods that they're pretending to be. They'd be a lot more persuasive if they had the power of flight, I'll tell you that much. Uh, let's see here. These expectations may sound unattainable, but we're already making the first strides toward an augmented society. Rides uh, agenda contributor Kathleen Phillips in the blog titled Augmented Tech Can Change the Way We Live, But Only with the Right Support and Vision. Oh, so we need, we need an ethical, an ethical group, people we can trust with this technology. You see, 
They are, they're so diligent in their propaganda to even pose the question about how delicate, how delicate an endeavor this is, that we need the right people or this can go, this can go bad. It's not that the plan is going to be bad for humanity at large, no matter what. They just want to make sure that your ass is not puckered when they enter you. While brain chips or augmentation like cochlear implants in your ear or prosthetics are used to remedy cognitive impairments, the technology will be used to enhance everyday life, particularly for children who would benefit from developing ultrasensory perception, the article argues. The augmenting technology will help in all stages of life, children in learning environment and, and in a learning environment, professionals at work, and ambitious senior citizens. There are many possibilities. Should you implant a tracking chip in your child, there's a solid rational reason for it, like safety. There you go. Many children with uh, attention deficit struggles in school. The best case they the the best case they get special education services or classroom accommodations. However, with extra visual or audio audio guidance, that blocks off excess stimuli, and otherwise enable uh, an otherwise enabled child can cope with a standard school environment, and when class is over and playtime begins, they can just take the aids off. Brain implants will improve health benefits equivalent of a dog's nose in a gadget. That could be handy to sniff out COVID-19 if the World Economic Forum contributor... Sure, oh my gosh. Sniff, my gosh. But unlike phones that might feel like part of your body, the augmentation technology will become more intertwined with the body in form of implants. The article features a video produced by WEF outlining an ethical framework for a technologically augmented society. Is there a bigger, is there a bigger uh, oxymoron than that? And I will ask Jason Burmes the same exact question. Phillips surmises an augmented society is inevitable and points to global elites who are establishing a monopoly over brain implants to ethically regulate the technology that soon be pervasive across the globe. The Council of Europe recently launched a strategic action plan tackling issues raised by the application of neurotechnologies. Another example, uh, Raytheon Institute, founded by Dutch government, operates as an independent institution to reflect on questions related to the impact of technology on our lives. Chile is already a step ahead. Last year, the country pioneered a bill to amend its constitution to protect personal brain data Several countries are now exploring how to address these issues surrounding brain implants. The task is daunting as ethicists will not only need to scrutinize blooming technology, but also potential future applications. Oh boy. It's real. It is not a... Uh, this is now. It's real. And we're going to talk about this tonight with uh, Jason Burmes. Before we do that, I want to start the show off and we've got to tackle what I just saw come out of Politico a couple of hours ago. Maybe you've seen it as well. If not, we're going to soon be on the same page. Don't go anywhere. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. 
That's why we're going back! Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! It is 7.14 p.m. So where are we going from here? I'll tell you where we're going. I'll tell you where we're going. Jason Burmis will be joining us, I think, within the next 10 or 12 minutes. So it's just enough time to do what I have to do. For, for, uh, don't forget, we are live right now. If you're watching live, then you are just seeing everything as it unfolds. You can contribute to the show right now with your thoughts, with your blessings, whatever it is. Quite frankly, superchat.com. We'll be reading those in the second half of the show. We have great things in the second half to complement the first. If you're not watching right now, you can still super chat me because I will see them off air and on vacation and I will compile them and I will respond to them. And uh, and that's the great thing. And even when I'm back from vacation, you can always super chat in off air hours and I will see it for the next day in the show. So you're always involved. Always remember that. Um, that's what we have going on. Now, here's the first thing I wanted to show you. This is what I saw. This is exactly what I saw coming from Politico on Twitter, and then we'll get into the actual published article. Politico, the Trump administration pressured the FDA to authorize unproven treatments for COVID-19 and the first COVID-19 vaccines on an accelerated timeline, according to a House report released on Wednesday. What? Now, it should be said first and foremost, Trump had nothing to do with forcing people to choose between a liability-free public genetic experiment and their work, their social lives, everything else. But he did pat himself on the back an awful lot, did he? So here it is. Here it's starting. This is exactly what we said was going to happen. It was the most, the biggest unforced error in his presidency. The biggest one. Let's get into the actual... Because this is the first of its kind. Who knows? Let's see how big it gets. Let's see, let's see how much of, a, uh, how much of a, uh, a wave this creates. Trump White House exerted pressure on FDA for COVID-19 emergency use authorizations. House report finds the report by House Democrats. The Democrats are doing it. The, the ones who actually forced people to choose between normal life and being a guinea pig. The report by House Democrats examining the pandemic says Trump officials sought vaccine approvals to sway voters before... Oh, my God. Are you surprised? I'm not. I wonder if Dave from the X-22 report is surprised. 
and he rushed the vaccine that was, I mean, he rushed the vaccine that was remarkably already close to being ready in order to win an election, no less. So if they do not just find a way to disqualify him legally from running in 2024, you best believe that this is going to be a big issue. Remember, remember, he vaccine injured your cousin. He vaccine injured your children because he wanted to win in 2020. That's the kind of person he is. That's what these fucking insane animals are already building up toward. It's, it's at least going to be a weapon in the, the arsenal. It's, it's at least going to be something that they can dip into. I don't know how much of a primary weapon it will be, but you've got to listen to this. The Trump administration pressured the Food and Drug Administration, including former FDA Commissioner Stephen Hahn, to authorize unproven treatments for COVID-19 and the first COVID-19 vaccines on an accelerated timeline. So the, the, what they'll say is that it was the Trump-era vaccines that were dangerous. It was the Trump-era vaccines that, as Biden took office, they were able to put out uh, better formulated ones, and they understood the technology a little bit better, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. They had already made their tens of billions of dollars at that point, and uh, they didn't care. Treatment for COVID-19, the first COVID-19 accelerated timeline. According to a report released Wednesday by Democrats, how convenient, on the House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Crisis. Senior Trump administration officials fought for reauthorization of hydroxychloroquine, a drug normally used to treat malaria and lupus, after the FDA revoked its emergency clearance of the drug uh, because data showed it was ineffective against COVID-19 and could lead to potentially dangerous side effects. Report found bullshit. So they're going to bring that one up, which is actually not a problem. The Democrats' investigation also documented potential influence from former White House officials regarding the FDA's decision to authorize uh, covalescent plasma, which was doing great, which is just gone now. It is gone. The Regeneron was doing great. Then they started limiting it. They started limiting it by race on account of people's race, and then it just, it's just gone. Nowhere to be found anymore. And White House attempts to block the FDA from collecting additional safety data on COVID-19 vaccines in order to get them to the public before the 2020 presidential election, which, of course, did him a lot of good, right? The select subcommittee's finding that Trump White House officials deliberately and repeatedly sought to bend FDA's scientific work on coronavirus treatments and vaccines to the White House political will are yet another example of how the prior administration's prioritized politics over public health. House Majority Whip Jim Clyburn, who also chairs a subcommittee, said in a statement, they are the most out, they, they are, this is animalistic. They find new depths, new depths. Now, I know, I I mean, he brought this on himself, completely brought this on himself. And as I said, I don't care what Dave from the X-22 report says, there is nothing controversial about a president who says, hey, if you want to try the vaccines that I hear they're working on, then you're more than welcome. But I am not sacrificing the safety, any kind of safety standard, for a rushed product when there are other therapies available in the meantime. So let the FDA and Big Pharma do their work and blah, blah, blah. They do great work, yada, 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 and boom. He is safely noncommittal about the entire damn thing. Very, very simple. There were, there were so many ways to distance himself from what was 
obviously always going to be a gigantic, a gigantic disaster on a humanitarian level, disaster, without taking the heat as being anti-science or negligent in one way or another. But he had one warm tongue or another whispering in his ear every day, every night. It's stunning, but this is not surprising at all. Not at all. Because you are never going to be able to hide what is already a 40% increase in otherwise healthy Americans under the age of 50 just dropping dead. You are never going to hide hundreds of thousands of people maimed, neurological injuries. That's just in the United States alone. It's millions worldwide. You can't hide the miscarriages, the sterilizations. You can't do it. You can't do it. And now here he is being isolated. Isolated and uh, targeted for more. And of course, they have to throw hydroxychloroquine, which is uh, which ha- as as people like um, Dr. Zelenko have said since the beginning has a safety profile akin to water. So they had to throw that in there. And Dr. Zelenko is the reason why that hydroxychloroquine became a national discussion. My my, and he's not even around right now to to, to defend anything or throw his voice into the into the mix so just incredible uh, this goes on for a couple of pages emails found email discovered but it has all this is the first article of the like that i have seen and who knows how it's going to be used and when it's going to be employed but it's definitely being primed the weapon is being primed i don't know what else to say about that I don't know what else to say about it, but I am, uh, I'll tell you, one person who will have some things to say about that is Jason Burmis. Now, he is coming back on with us tonight. We're welcoming him back, a seasoned filmmaker, researcher, broadcaster, who I'm now happy to consider a friend of the show. Jason Burmis, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing very well. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. And before we go anywhere, because we're, we're going we're gonna to take a trip down several rabbit holes tonight, but I just got to ask you, um, any thoughts on this Politico piece about Trump and now uh, isolating him to take the, the, the brunt of the responsibility for rushing the shots? You know, I, I think it's a lot like this, right? We, we also had the documentation now put out there with Berenson that we had the Department of Justice the FDA, the CDC, all these three-letter agencies trying to suppress any information that was opposing their narrative, period, right? So we shouldn't be surprised when this documentation comes out uh, regarding the shots in every way, shape, or form. I mean, in a lot of ways, this was an open secret, right? It wasn't like I was covering imagination land in the beginning of this. They were openly talking about this, and then you saw YouTube, for instance. Again, the second largest search engine only to Google, the largest video platform in the world, take the stance of the World Health Organization. And the World Health Organization suddenly began to dictate policy. There was obvious collusion. They talked about it again and again. And to pawn it off on Trump, Trump barely had any idea what was going on, or obviously he would have got rid of Anthony Fauci in the beginning. He would have got rid of Michael Pompeo in the beginning. Um, These guys were literally chomping at the bit in these press conferences to become more and more authoritarian. It was very, very obvious. So, look, we live in a world where 
They tried to impeach that guy twice. They just raided his his home for supposed top secret nuclear documents. I mean, that that shit is cartoon level, my friend. I mean, if you believe that, you have no idea how the system works. You know, I was having this conversation earlier today, but I, I went to school in um, at this at this time. I was living in the Hudson Valley and then into even further upstate New York, but. We went to uh, the Roosevelt estate, the FDR estate, um, which is in that that region of the Hudson Valley, I think when I was like 16 years old, and the archivist was there. And he was basically laying it out even then. You know, we, we watched all this stuff. We went through the museum, but then we started going through some of the documentation. And he goes, you know, there's some stuff that I'm not even allowed to look at. And he goes, but I think that's a good trade-off for how much information we have. And I'm thinking to myself, this is in the 90s, the late 90s. Like this, this happened in the forties. <laughs> what, what do you mean we can't read it? What is going on here? This seems a little bit excessive, but it was presented in such a way that you just kind of accept it. Now, the the documents that he had, I guarantee one hundred thousand percent, they are super low level and in no way, shape, or form have anything to do with protecting the country or nuclear secrets. That is one of the most Johnny nonsense and made up things I've ever heard. And and now we have the revelations, of course, just like I said in the very beginning when this happened. Obviously, this was signed off on by the Department of Justice and Merrick Garland and all these other guys uh, previously that they had contacted. And this is the Department of Justice and the FBI, the archivists. And then the archivists started giving out opinions about what they thought he should be able to have and what he shouldn't be able to have. Now, look, this was one of his big failures. This is why you can't just be Trump training and MAGA hatting and riding along in fairytale land. This guy promised us twice we were going to get the JFK documents that we had already been promised as United States citizens all the way back at the turn of the millennium. We were supposed to get them really in 98, 99, right? Mm-hmm. And then they pushed them back like to early 2000s and you know Oliver Stone really thought in his lifetime we were going to be able to see this Donald Trump promised us twice he was going to give us the JFK documents and failed both times if you can't expose the deep state from half a century or earlier how are you going to successfully take on that same deep state now and unfortunately you know a lot of people say he's the best we got right and look, certainly I voted for the man twice. I mean, against Joe Biden? Are you kidding me? I mean, we that's just to shame us at this point. There's there's nobody that can look you straight faced in the eye other than some media leech making between five and thirty thousand dollars an episode to just vomit propaganda that that man runs anything. I mean, the, the truth of the matter is poop is running down his drawers, and they got to get him shot up full of amphetamines just to bring him out into public and have him speak and even then i mean did you see him sign that bill yeah you- oh, oh absolutely it, it, it looks like he, just, he had just dro- he had dropped acid about an hour before and, and and to your point about about deep state and about the way uh, the way that the um the actual system is working you brought up mar-a-lago again it was very uh, very simple to see and very simple from there on in to, to to say, okay, well, was this really about nuclear codes when they the the very limited scope warrant actually exposed that they wanted every piece of paper 
from the first day of his presidency to the very last day in January 2021. That is not a limited scope. It's just your entire presidency. So it it was a fishing expedition, of course, and it'll take weeks and weeks to bear out what they're going to do with this. Obviously, they have bigger plans, and uh, and, and we'll we'll just have to see. But But here is another weapon in their arsenal how they are now using Politico, and I'm sure it'll spread to other places now, too. They are going to start priming this for some kind of use in the coming years, uh, maybe before 2024, about vaccine injury and how it's really Donald Trump rushing it to market. Well, no matter what, I I think the setup here is very simple. They want to engage him in some kind of a criminal trial post-presidency for the very first time ever. We're going to have that somewhere in the run-up to the 2024 election to ensure that he cannot run again. And and to that point, I kind of have to be sympathetic to the guy. You can't just throw out everything that he did, right? Um, he did get us out of the Paris Climate Accords. He did speak out at the World Economic Forum against these type of climate um, policies that now we're seeing to come into fruition. You know, he did make us energy independent. He was a businessman in many of those sorts. Um, He didn't aggressively start new wars, but I don't give him much credit there because at the same time, he did cut that Saudi Arabian arms deal. He did allow uh, the Yemen genocide to continue. He didn't stand up for Julian Assange after he sent Rohrbacher there and Assange refused to give up his sources. And again, all the, that, that's the thing. You're the president of the United States and you damn well know that Russia didn't hack your election in 2016, that nobody hacked the election because nobody hacked the machines in the manner they first said, and then nobody hacked the DNC emails at all. Those were downloaded onto a USB stick. If you are, if any of your audience is still not familiar with the uh, Butowski Hirsch tapes, where Butowski tapes Hirsch, and Hirsch explains how he already had an entire story set up for the media. He shopped it around, and nobody would touch it. And it was the Seth Rich story, and how they had been downloaded, and how they cut the deal with WikiLeaks for for a certain amount of cash. And then basically um, set up this dummy eBay account, and that's how they uploaded there. So yeah. again, nobody hacked anything. In order to hack it, you'd have to remotely get access and then bring it out. No, it was downloaded onto a USB stick from an insider. And that crushes, crushes their narrative for now over, you know, six years, seven years running. But the fact of the matter is, if you actually read the Mueller report, there were sections blacked out regarding both WikiLeaks and Seth Rich. At first, the FBI denied that they had any documentation on Seth Rich whatsoever. And then it comes out later that Peter Strzok actually requested from the FBI their files on Seth Rich, what magically existed all of a sudden. Lots of them. And And on top of that, when you listen to these tapes with Hirsch, Hearst says that he has an inside guy that can go in and basically read any document, and that's where he got the the beat on Seth Rich. Well, it comes out in civil court in these trials and lawsuits with Aaron Rich, the brother of Seth Rich, the parents, Butowski, and others, that Hirsch claims that his source is Andrew McCabe. Now, let's throw that for like a weird 
uh, you know, a AMC type series loop. Andrew McCabe couldn't be more negative towards Trump in the public arena, period, right? And if if that's true, and McCabe is his source, and McCabe wasn't lying, that kind of shows you the depths that we have to go. That guy's the assistant uh, assistant director of the FBI yeah. at that point. Yeah, yeah. You know? the, depths are, the depths are unimaginable at some points. Because whenever you think you've, you've hit rock bottom, there's there's more. There's more. We're getting to we're you know we're getting to magma at this point. I just I, it seems it's just incredible. No, you're right. You're right. So as far as the arsenal goes, boy, is it deep. We're just we're just seeing surface level missiles at this point. But um, uh, yeah, I wanted to bring that up first and foremost because it's pretty pretty brand new, fresh stuff. But you did bring up the World Economic Forum, and I. I would love to broach this topic with you because I know you've covered it on your Rockfin and, and other channels in the last couple of days. And I was reading this article before we brought you on. An article outlining from the WEF, outlining, quote, an ethical framework that needs to be created for a technologically augmented society. So my, here's my question for you. That I'm just going to kick the door open and, and, and let you go. Uh, is an ethically augmented transhumanist society not one of the greatest oxymorons you've ever heard in your life or what you know it's again it's not if but when we become cyborgs according to these people they they held that forum in 2020 and the metaverse is kind of that next step in transhumanism and transhumanism takes a lot of forms and I, you know i went over this article augmented tech can change the way we live but only with the right support and vision and, of course, they use the same language as they do uh, again and again and again where you're a stakeholder now. And there's going to be various things that this is going to be able to do, including cure depression and regulate your endorphins. Remember, they gave you that same uh, pitch for the last 30 years via these SSRIs that they were going to regulate depression. And we have that now groundbreaking study that shows they've done anything but that. Hmm. Right, so they're getting ready to drop those drugs and bring in the techno drugs, uh, the nanobots, and really the human brain interfaces. And for instance, one of the pitches in this article that I discussed is that this generation's kids expect to have superpowers. I'm like, oh, oh, they, oh, they expect to have superpowers. And then you think to yourself, man, you know, I loved comic books as a kid. I really did. And there was a time where you know, comic book mo movies were very hit or miss, right? My generation grew up with the original Richard Donner Superman, great. We had to wait really for the Tim Burton uh, Batman for something more original, but then it just kind of died off for almost a decade. People were trying to do stuff. It was terrible. I remember like the original Punisher was no good, Captain America. The, you know, they even had this even, the Fantastic Four mo movies, they're all awful, but if anybody saw the straight to VHS awful it used to be, wow. Mm. And then late late 90s, early 2000s, you start getting money behind it. You see Spider-Man's making its way. It was a kind of a big deal, right? And more and more, they build up this Marvel thing. And at the same time, behind the scenes, Disney starts buying up all the really big franchises from the early 2000s on. They get everything good, for, you know, from Star Wars to Marvel to even Fox, where now they own The Simpsons, right? And all of a sudden, everything's about a superhero. And the whole paradigm changes. And these movies are really good. You know, and, and in a lot of ways are, are really telling, you know, they talk about the New World Order. 
in some places. They talk about eugenics and population control and other aspects. And I actually, as a kid, I read the Infinity Stone story. Uh, there was a six-part story, and then the whole universe was kind of in on it. And I thought they did a bang-up job on this story. There's a few differences, but the main essence of basically control and wanting to regulate everything, and you see that same kind of theme in Star Wars, right? The, the regulation of the Force and the Empire having complete control. So these themes keep coming up. But, but now everything is a superhero. Everything with money in it is there, and they're telling you that you can be anything you want. The WEF at the same time and the UN are announcing there's more than two genders. New science says so. Non-binary is a thing. Forget about three, four. We're going to go into the infinite verse because at the same time that they're putting out this augmented tech trash, they've already partnered with the metaverse to define on how they will build it. This is the World Economic Forum they're telling you how you're going to have a social and economical state, uh, stake in this. See, they're, and, they're, they're just trying to make children's dreams come true, Jason. Why are you being such a stickler? Everybody wants... You, you know, you're talking about going back in time. I mean, government organizations and NGOs were falling over themselves to, try, to actually try to turn us into Ninja Turtles back in the 90s. They, I mean, again, you look at that, and now they're going to convince you you can be a Ninja Turtle. That's the thing. Re virtual reality so I often talk about that future strategic warfare document we might just bring it up one more time and it's uh, a 2001 document it's extremely important because it really lays out this entire blueprint on how this is this is it here they're gonna take you into what is known as the virtual age now that's important because they get the bio nano era starts in 2020 and I, I've expressed this again and again and again it's so important no matter what you think about biological nanotechnology and no matter what you think about the shots, those shots were bio nanotech and they injected billions of people. These are the ages of humankind. Now, they don't know when this age of humankind ends, but the virtual age is the next step. OK, so number one, they want to separate you as much as possible from your actual physical reality and actual physical human touch and emotion and replace that now with a five sense virtual world, which you'll start stepping into with the metaverse and headsets like this one. Like, you know, I, I've got the Oculuses, you know, I've messed around with VR. Like anything, it can be a tool. There are definitely positives to that. But they already commercially have available, and the World Economic Forum is pushing this, devices which give out magnetic resonance waves. So a lot of people see Ready Player One, they think they're going to have to get the haptic suit, right? Right. You won't have to do that. You're just going to be in a room because you can already buy these things commercially where, for instance, you don't have to use the controllers. You can use your hands and the cameras don't have to be on your hands because there's magnetic resonances that are now pushing against your hands and they are replicating actual touch. All right. So as you're in that world, the things you're grabbing actually feel like you're grabbing them. And they have the rooms where not only are they using this in a 360 model, but they are also pumping in uh, scents. In other words, things you can smell. So it's five cents VR, and that's going to be available more than likely on a very cheap level within a decade. All right. And I want people to understand that. And you're going to be able to interact more immersely in it, no matter what, if you take their designer brain chips, those are going to be some of the pitches there. And that's just one small aspect of what this transhumanist movement is about, because 
you know, we were talking about human brain interfaces, but you read that article, and even in this, you know, they're talking about bio nanotech. Well, they're talking about nanobots used as quote unquote medicine. All right. And that's, you know, that was in the When We Become Cyborgs forum. I actually showed stills at my latest presentation where they talk about these smart drugs. And those are going to be used in conjunction with human brain interfaces and also separately from the human brain interfaces. So really what I'm warning people about these days is not so much right or left politics. That has its place. I'm glad we started off with that. I want people to be involved. But stay human out there. Yeah, you know, you know, it's it's true, Jason. I, I'm I'm looking, and as you said it before, there's applications for everything. There's good and bad uses for everything. Uh, you know, the some, the tool is in many times in a stoic sense, the tool is indifferent, and and it's just really who's applying it. Now, when someone like Elon Musk, which I know you're a big fan of, says that Neuralink is going to give a quadriplegic the ability to walk again, I say bravo. You know, that's an advancement I can get behind. Someone who's not been able to be independent in a long time, there's a chip, there's some way that they can fuse a, 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 you know, a spinal cord together again. I say fine, but that is so far and few between with the pronouncements that we get today about carbon and childlessness and bug diets. And it comes, it comes back around to something else, too. It's this old Jurassic Park Ian Malcolm paradox that we keep running into and it's when Jeff Goldblum is sitting around the table with everyone and he says to John Hammond you know you and your scientists were so concerned about whether or not you could that you never stopped to consider whether you should and now that is the case in the movies in the movies we have scientific frontiersmen who go on well-meaning missions that just happen to have a lot of downside but the frontiersmen that we live around don't hide any of their Malthusian intentions. They want the species downsized and transformed in very significant ways. It is just, it's constantly published that way. There's no hiding it. I I think it's tougher to hide now. Uh, I think more and more these representatives have, have become just arrogant. For instance, that latest TEDx podcast with Yoval Noah Harari is stunning to me. And obviously, I've gone through a lot of the things that he's um, been popularized for and in his own words and the shocking revelations that he says basically free will is over, that authoritarianism is coming in in all states and forms, and the population doesn't really uh, necessarily have to have all these people. They don't need people. If you listen to this newest revelation, he says, he goes, look, you know, I, I think people are uneasy. And I think subconsciously, one of the reasons that they're uneasy is they realize that the next story, because his big, his big theory is that humanity is only based on stories and our ability to tell those stories and communicate them to people um, that form mechanisms of control. There is no inherent truth to Yoval Noah Harari. But he says the inherent truth now is that, yeah, a lot of people really realize they're not going to be around. They're not part of the next story. And they're uneasy about it, and they're not sure, and they don't want to come to that realization of it. But that's what's causing a lot of the disruption. And I think a lot of that's true, right? Mm. It's kind of in your in your face in a lot of ways. Um, you know, your friends, your family have talked to you about it. They've shown you clips of Bill Gates talking about population control. They've explained how uh, there is really a UN 2030 agenda. Um, these people realize that at, at some level they've been lied to over this COVID-1984 nightmare in only the fewest of cases do you still have the diehards, right? A lot of people have shut their mouth. 
um, you know, or, or at least kind of gone back. But the the revelation that you're about to be automated out, that this is real, that this is globally coordinated, is way too much for a lot of people, man. Way I, I hate to say it like that, but brother, you know, I just went back to upstate New York. I stayed outside of Batavia where I spoke on a beautiful lake uh, out by the Finger Lakes called Lake Canisius, right? Hmm. And me and my girlfriend were sitting out there at night, and we stayed at this little uh, bar slash cabana that had, like, on the lake, outdoor uh, volleyball. People were taking their volleyball really seriously. <laughs> you know, this was like a league, bunch of neighbors on the lake, and my girlfriend just started talking to these people about the masks and the shots, and I looked at, I, I already knew the answer just like by hanging out with these people for like a half an hour that like they all did it <laughs> and they all didn't know what was going on and they were all doing what they had to do to keep their jobs and all these other things. And my girlfriend's getting kind of angry, you know, about, so why, you know, you don't have to do it. And I, and I just had to explain to her, I go, baby, you don't understand how hardcore the propaganda was here. And, you know, these people weren't overly political on one side of the fence or the other. They all, they all just sat there and, and they, they didn't, they didn't want to look into anything. They didn't really want to know what was in the shots. They just wanted to, you know, keep going with their life and do what the, the screens told them to do. Right? They didn't yeah. want to look into the nefarious angle of it. And and that's not even that's not even to say that these are people who have surrendered common sense. It's just it, it this is what's available. There there is authoritative sources in that world. They're 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 living their lives. They're they're working for themselves, their families, and uh, th there really is nothing in opposition to one thing or another. I hey, in, in my situation, my uh, my 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 daughter has seven grand grand uh, parents. I only managed. I only managed to get well, well, two of them refused, but I only managed to get one to listen to me. And I don't really, I mean, I lament that I was not able to make a, a, a different impact, but at the same time, I understand why. I mean, you're going to listen. Who, who are you going to take advice from? You're, the, the, the doctor you've been seeing for the last 25 years or, or, or me, Frank. Frank. Well, Frank told me not to take this shit. You know, I understand. It's just me. Uh, you, you do what you can, um, and and I, I understand what a lot of people are up against. I I've never been uh, judgmental on that respect. I've been I've wanted to pull whatever hair I had left out because you just see us going off the cliff. But other than that, you know I understand. I understand what you witnessed. Yeah, you know, and, and it's sad because a, a lot of people still, it's really where you're at, right? Uh, it, this it's a big country. People that don't travel, it's a big world, it's a bigger world, that don't travel don't really get that in different areas, people really do in, in kind of a group because we have this herd mentality, whether we like it or not, they act differently, right? You go back, like, for instance, uh, my girlfriend lives outside of D.C. in Stafford, Virginia. It's, it's, it's Mask City, USA there still. You know, whereas here in Iowa, yeah, I see it, you know, but now it's like, one in 20 uh you know we were back in stafford and she has a daughter so i was there grabbing just some uh some school stuff and there are a lot of parents there with their kids and i'm just like i can't I'm, we're talking about half the people right then you know i go to you know upstate new york and of course no one's wearing masks at all like and almost anywhere right then we go to the mall that's close in virginia and again i can't believe how many people i'm seeing in masks 
So yeah, I'm in the I'm in the airport in DC to go home. Like, what is this mass culture going on here? Again, it's over the top. I land in the Quad Cities, not a mask in sight. So, you know, and, and by the way, the good people at YouTube and the World Health Organization will now allow you on their platform to say that masks don't work. It is no longer medical misinformation. What do you mean? They, 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 they've made, there's been some kind of an announcement? I didn't hear about this. They, they took it off their list. They have a COVID-19 list for medical misinformation. And now you no longer uh, have to worry about challenging the validity of masks to stop infection or the spread. Well you, well, you know what's next. What's next is you're not going to have to worry about getting in trouble for saying that vaccines cause harm because Trump is going to be the one to bear the brunt for at least the first generation. You know, uh, they'll, they'll make some kind of a distinction between the, the later uh, boosters and new formulations that were, were, were on the up and up. But they're, they're, they're going to put a line in the sand on that one, too. You know, it, that one's tough because anybody with a brain, again, and there's not many of us there or a memory. I, I hate to say it like that. The, the people are, again, just either too preoccupied or can't be confronted with it. <clears throat> Back in April of 2020. Bill Gates, and I actually, I did an interview with Alex Jones. So the first time we got the band back together for a good hour or so. So this is pretty old now. Like, we, again, I think it's April of 2020. We're playing Bill Gates because Bill Gates has already told you that you're going to have to take at least two to three shots and then a booster every six months to a year because these are uh, first-generation vaccines, a.k.a. mRNA, and we're going to have to wait for, like, second or third generation. So even then, if you were paying attention, you knew it was two or three shots. And I actually highlighted this uh, on a video I did probably, like, a year, year and a half ago. Because I actually had the, this conversation with Freeman earlier today. Basically, there was a dry run with the kind of hysteria and what can we get away with with mandatory shots and global governance and the World Health Organization via the swine flu and H1N1 back in the day. And I played this clip of Meredith Vieira, who would later be like on The View, and she would host The Millionaire Show, talking to one of these representatives for um, pharmaceutical companies and what we we're gonna have to do for this could be pandemic, right? This mm -hmm. epidemic of H1, they, who level six, man? It was a who level six at that point, right? Mm -hmm. And she starts going, well, you're gonna have to probably take two or three shots on this. And immediately, Meredith Vieira pushes back, right? Like, you never see this today. Immediately, two or three, well, that sounds like a lot, you know, for something that's a variant of the flu that we don't really know about and yada, yada, yada. So they kind of ran a dry run back then with the technology they had and the propaganda they had. How far can we push the public? How many people are going to get the swine flu vaccine and buy into this idea they're going to have to get more than one, all those things? When we got to the level of the magic box that tells us everything, we got to the level of they were already censoring names like Eric Chiaramella, right, from even talking oh about... Oh, I forget. I for Here, there's another name I forget. Yeah. Wow. I used to call him Erica Caramello Bar. It was, the, it was the first thing that had ever been censored on my channel, and it wasn't even me saying it. I knew it wasn't allowed to be said, right? For those that don't know, that is the alleged, quote-unquote, whistleblower... <laughs> that caused impeachment too, but we never got to know because you weren't even allowed to say his name or you got banned. I thought it was so impeachment I, one. What's that? It was impeachment, was it impeachment one. one. It was impeachment one. 
It was you're a Ukraine right. call. You're, yeah. you're 100% right. It was impeachment one. I I, I take that back. Thank you forgot you the episode, man. Come on. I Well, <laughs> I had played this clip of Louis Gomer in a, in a government hearing saying that he wanted to hear testimony from a list of people, and Erica, Eric Chiaramello was one of them. They took that video, and they didn't take it down or give me a strike or anything like that, but they blocked it in every country. So they essentially made it mandatory private. It's still up on my page today. I can show it to people. And I'm like, you know what? This is only going to get worse from here. And occasionally, even now, they still pull stuff down, period. Like, And again, I've got a lot of cyberbullying stuff via the Epstein uh, case. You know, again, I've gone over the documents and just read them. It's pretty incredible. We're not at Chinese-style censorship, right? It's just censorship at this point. People need to realize that. The, the Uniparty is very much in effect. I know you sent me that article on the, the Twitter whistleblower. Color me skeptical, all right? Uh, I did a video last night, and, and I'd, I'd read this and heard about this, that where I basically read um, the new terms and services regarding the midterm elections via Twitter. And this is from August 11th, and it falls directly in line with everything this person is claiming, where they can just take hold of accounts, they can make it impossible for you to like or retweet, they can give you the warnings, they're going to decide what a bot is and what a bot isn't, uh, they're going to decide when somebody's uh, account who's running for office has been uh, hacked, uh, it goes well beyond just the algorithm. You know, they, they're basically going on. They're going to decide, for instance, they talk about misleading information, including false information. Well, if it's including false information, then it's including truthful information as well. So if you haven't noticed, the uh, Twitter side fact check hasn't been all that great. As experts say, and I mean, they, they were wrong via COVID-1984 a lot. They were wrong about Hunter Laptop and Russian collusion a lot. And now it's going even beyond that because these are really Trojan horse civilian systems of the military industrial complex. You're talking about the, this, this, uh, uh, the former Twitter security chief, uh, Peter Mudge Zatko? Yes. Okay. I, I, I'll talk a little bit about him later on in case people don't know um, who he is. But, you know, with that, because if we're talking about things that are, if we're talking about things that are censored and are at least managed through social media and other, and other, uh, and other um, platforms out there, I think about the latest, the latest things like Ukraine. For example, um, last night we were theorizing, maybe this can actually tie in. I'm just going to tell you what we were talking about last night. Maybe we can tie in some of the AI, the metaverse, all this stuff together. Um, We were theorizing last night about how this latest buildup toward some form of nuclear catastrophe, which is this is the now the latest chapter, aside from the fact that we, we refuse to stop sending billions upon billions of dollars to Ukraine to the point where their parliament, uh, today or yesterday was actually able to pass legislation to give themselves a raise because they have so much money coming in uh combined we were trying to combine all this with this rush for the metaverse this rush for you know giving children their little digital superpowers and this and that and some would rightly say or would rightly assume that perhaps these are all the main components of the backdrop, what the Matrix movie was built on top of, that something would trigger humanity to race into a virtual world for some kind of shelter. What are your thoughts on that kind of a possibility that, that a, uh, a, a nuclear 
catastrophe could be an accelerant to get people to stay inside and live on uh, live in the metaverse. 100%. These people are insane. I've been talking about it more and more. I mean, we just had that assassination of uh, Dugan's daughter trying to kill him. Things have really escalated. I mean, as far as the Ukrainian conflict, people need to understand that it is our Central Intelligence Agency and National Security Network that is running operations there. That they are... Ukraine has over 12,000 Starlink satellites above it, all right? That is far and beyond any other place on the planet concentrated. And why is that? Because they're utilizing the Starlink satellites on top of the Blackjack ones, you know, the Black Program ones that got launched with them, in drone, open drone warfare with Ghost and Sidewinders. This is not debatable. They're also using it for their internal communication systems. All right, they are trying to goad something like that into happening or actually let something like that happen in this country and then blame it on whoever they like, right? I mean, we are at that level. I absolutely believe that, and especially under the circumstances where you've got a zombie president, a bunch of people that just fell for the biggest bamboozle, global bamboozle of all time. It puts everything else to shame. So, so yeah, and, you know, let's get to the virtual part of it. This is the big lie that they want to create because it is a big lie. I want to let everybody out there out there understand this and know this. No matter how good AI gets and how convincing and human-like the robotics get, which are getting better and better and better. In fact, Musk has announced on World AI Day, September 30th, he's going to show everybody the new Optimus bot, the one that looks like a Westworld reject of the little drone bots. Okay. Meanwhile, there's a mecha that has the very real uh, facial expressions, the gray robot. I'm going to be doing a story on that later this week. And it's because automation, you know, these robots, just because they're human-like, that's to fool you and to humanize this thing as you get automated out of work. And you have to accept this transhumanism. And you like the virtual universe way more, all right? And the idea is to trick the plebs into thinking they can upload their consciousness and copy their reality and live in a digital wonderverse, while the predator class, the people on the top, actually utilize the um, life extension technology and then tr- and then basically live forever as gods in their Elysium, while the you know the dumb slave class are worked out into robotics and automation, and you know at the end of the day though, even uh, Bushnell says, look, we're going to merge. There's no stopping the merge, and at the, at the end of the day, it's either uh, we become them, they become us, or you have human-contaminated machines. And that's the scariest thing out there. Like, there's no other outcome than destroying humanity for this. Although I, I really, truly believe that the people at the top, the, the ones that are going towards this, the, the real vicious, even, you know, high-level predators that aren't generational, like the Peter Thiels of the world, that's their motivation, Right. I want to live forever, and I I want to rule this planet as more and more robotics and automation come over. I want to be a god. These people have tricked themselves into believing they think they can be a god, and they think they can trick the rest of us into believing that we can be immortal in the metaverse or whatever they want to call it. It's I I have always said when we talk about immortality because all of the the all the the stories. And the discussions, the blogs, the the major papers that have come out about the question of digital immortality and being able to upload your consciousness, which 
to, to be able to even think of consciousness as something that could be digitized is in itself so inauthentic and so it falls so short of of the mysteries that we have been asking ourselves to, to think that that it was just as easy as all that when we have been asking ourselves the most mysterious questions for thousands of years about human consciousness and and life and our purpose here and and uh, and and it's it just you can just tell whatever the hell they come up with in the laboratory is going to be nothing but a cheap imitation. Now, I, I always said if they did find out some way to extend life in a ridiculous way, it would never be available for regular people. We are, we are, we are scum of the earth to them. And if they did advise us to upload into anything, it would be more akin to the, the ghost trap from Ghostbusters, where we would just be in hell, you know, in, in, one of the, in, in one of their hard drives forever. And I have no clue. That's where I always come to. And, and, you know, it's always shifting, too. It's always shifting. And let me ask you this, actually, since we're, it's, we're starting to border on that, that uh, topic a little bit. Um, w- w- on a spiritual level, I know you don't tend to get religious in, in your shows and in your work, but I have gleaned, at least from your work, that you do believe in some sort of a creator. Um, well, what do you feel about... The, uh, the spiritual side of this battle, psychic exploration. Uh, we were talking about ethical questions about AI and human augmentation. Uh, but is there any ethical questions about, I don't know, uh, the seemingly innate ability that we have as human beings to bounce between worlds outside of what they're doing again with the quantum computing? So uh, first of all, let me say I'm very skeptical of the multiverse and whatever is going on with quantum computing because I don't believe in it. And I think that it actually trivializes our very real consciousness and our free will by offering the idea that every single possibility has to happen. And it's doing so in this mysterious zeros and ones binary method that entangles everything. I really believe something else is going on there and they want to sell you on the multiverse the same way they want to sell you on uh, the metaverse. Because again, it comes into this idea that you're not responsible. And I think that's a big part of our consciousness, right? You actually do have free will. This is kind of flesh and blood. I'm not saying there aren't magnetic resonances or other dimensions. I mean, we know that we only see a small spectrum of our reality through light, right? And and the spectrums of light we can see and other uh, things in nature see a very, very different reality. And that goes well beyond it. We know that there are these magnetic resonances throughout the world. So, what do I believe in? Number one, I do believe this is a spiritual battle, and I think that's been documented. For instance, one of the things that I played at my uh, Reawaken America tour uh, presentation in New York was a little bit more of an extended version of the military-industrial complex speech that is the farewell address of Eisenhower. Most people get that military-industrial complex part, okay? First of all, it's 16 minutes. Well worth your time. I might do you know, a full-on... 16 minute in your face watch along with the whole thing probably take me 40 minutes to go get through because he hit so many points but the two things i always play are number one he tells how there is a spiritual aspect to this and i want to remind people that he came up from a military background through world war ii and was introduced to the establishment by the bohemian grove and it is again the bohemian grove where they do these weird rituals before an owl, and they do other ones as well, the hijinks, if you will. Um, 
where they hatched the Manhattan Project. Mm-hmm. And not only is the Manhattan Project obviously important because it came to fruition with nuclear power, but that idea of compartmentalization and these black projects started. And that's where you got the Area 51s. That's where you got things that were outside of official military uh, projects and budgets, and they were born classified. And that's where really the deep state starts to get its hold, right? So he gives you that warning because he spiritually did see that, wait a minute, aren't these these Christian conservatives are doing weird stuff with owls? But then he also says that we have to be ever-present that this could be taken hold of by a scientific elite and their policies. I mean, how many times do you have to hear the moniker trust the science behind a weasel like Fauci to understand that exact thing took place? Right. So, yeah, is there a spiritual aspect to this? Absolutely. You know, the Reawaken America tour is very Christian conservative, and you should see people's eyes light up when I start showing them this information about transhumanism and how it's going beyond right and left and how Elon Musk isn't your friend because they're not prepared for it. I say this. I've been around 43 years. I barely have, you know, a nuts hair of an idea what has happened globally in those 43 years. All right. There's only so much of a video history, of a written history of this planet. You start going back 100 years, forget about it, 200 years. I got no idea. Thousands of years. Now we're talking about also tens of thousands, dinosaur era, all that stuff. Who knows? I know there's a lot of history out there, but I'll tell you what I do know. That human beings are really special, and we should really take note of that. And we do have free will, and good and evil do exist, and I believe that we have what is known as a spirit, a soul, consciousness, give it any name you want, but it is something that will never be fully captured or imitated by AI, automation, cybernetics, robotics, ever. And they want, that's the big lie. The singularity and Kurzweil and his calico system, that is the big lie. And you know, for those that doubt that this is the plan, uh, again, Google, is not a business. It is a Trojan horse civilian system. Aside from partnering with NASA uh, like a decade ago in artificial intelligence, in quantum computing, they hired Kurzweil to head up Calico. It's no secret. Life at Calico is all about science, and science is our life. This is their immortality division. (laughs) This is where they have openly been working over a decade to stop from dying. All right, so once again, I want people to understand, while they sell you on the metaverse and the multiverse, they want to be immortal gods. And they're doing everything they possibly can to, first of all, trick you into thinking you've got a shot at that, and that that really means that you're going to upload your consciousness and not biologically live, right? But that it's not possible for them to actually do it, so that's why the virtual age has to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's the big lie, man. These these people are liars. They're about as close to demons as you could possibly get if demons do exist. And for instance, you know what this this is how I finished up my presentation. I encourage everybody to check it out on transhumanism and the occult. But the the latest whistleblower from Google that's talking about this AI that he's just another worker. Yeah, I just call him Billy. <laughs> and he's talking about how this thing has some kind of sentience. Well, lo and behold, Mr. Cracker Jack's there. He's into the occult, too. He starts talking about how when he was in prison, I had no idea he was in prison before working at Google, 
but he got into certain types of chaos magic and then Aleister Crowley. Uh, if anybody knows about Aleister Crowley, there's two things that I take away because a lot of it's self-help stuff. A lot of it kind of went into the realm of L. Ron Hubbard and Scientology and those type of mythos. People don't realize that. But the two things that I always take away from Crowley are, number one, his do as thou wilt, right? This paper where he talks about do as thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. And basically, it's like, what can you live with in your consciousness? Mm. You know, what? it's up to you. And that's it. That's the whole law. If you can deal with it, if you can manage it, go for it. It's very sociopathic, right? And, and it's, it's almost like you be your own God. And, and a lot of people take that in a different way. But to me, that's always a very self-serving religion. And then the second thing that I always think about Crowley is that he would claim that he would do incantations where he would be possessed by some other interdimensional being. Some people call it demons. Some people don't, right? He'd draw these figures. And, you know, during one of these uh, possessions, if you will, he put it to paper that the most powerful type of magic is basically ritualistic blood sex magic where you ra you're raping a child, uh, you know, a virgin child. And at the height of climax, you're cutting that, that child's throat and you know basically absorbing their essence you know and that a lot of people say that's where the adrenochrome comes from i don't want to speculate but just listen man whether or not you're actually encanting demons or beings to put that to paper and put that out there as as some kind of uh type of power magic that's dark oh yeah oh that's yeah about as dark as it gets and that's the last person that i want to study or you know get into so it is weird to me that as you get into a lot of this stuff you know i guess people that seek power seek it in all sorts of ways and the occult continuously comes up and it's made a very uh, a, a very lasting nesting place in some of our more revered institutions from uh, military intelligence to our rocket programs and all over the place so it's a, it's a it's a stain that at this point i believe is pretty indelible but um Man, oh man, it's it's crazy to see how everything does connect. The more you tug on the rope, I you know, Jason, uh, I can't I can't thank you enough for coming out again. And I gotta say, I am really excited to have you on for the September twelfth nine eleven show because, as I said before, and I'm sure you get a lot of loose change was a jump off point for a lot of people on this on a very at that time still young internet, and it'll be great to hear some behind the scenes stories, some modern day addendums, all of that stuff. Really excited to have you back on in a few weeks. Yeah, I can't wait to come on, and and I hope people check out my films, especially the ones on 9/11, Loose Change, Final Cut, and Fabled Enemies. If you don't really understand, this is. You know, something that I brought up again in my speech, I'm trying to bring them through the real deep state in that document. I talk about a thing called CNN syndrome, and I go, you know, this is a pre-9-11 document. They're telling you about terrorist attacks in the United States, how to exploit the casualties via psychological warfare. Well, you, I'm like, do you believe CNN now? Are they are doing something you believe now? So please check out the documentary films, Invisible Empire, New World Order, Define, and Shade the Motion Picture. They are free online. You can find them on both Rockfin, Rumble, and even uh, they're somehow still on YouTube. Although I think 9-11 Truth might be the next thing to get the Knicks 
as uh, a lot of people who are making the Shady Hook commentary are now talking about 9-11 truth is something people should be able to sue about. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, it'll get there. And it, 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 don't worry. We're on a, a, a linear timeline, and it's starting to get a little bit more easy to become psychic, see where the future is bringing us, or what future we're being brought to, I should say. Jason Burmis, everybody find him on Twitter, on Rumble, on Rockfin, all over the place. Jason Burmis, thank you so much for coming out again tonight, man. Thank you, man. All right, be well. There he goes, and there he was. We are going to be right back. We'll be right back. And I, I want to say, while I still have the bulk of the audience here, because we usually have a little bit of a drop-off after the intermission, which I don't know why. But while we have the bulk of the audience here, please go and subscribe to either Rumble, BitChute, Rockfin, anything other than YouTube. This episode will have to be deleted from YouTube. You were able to look at it on a, in a live sense. I'm glad. I want to try to keep it as a live platform for as long as we can. And uh, controversial episodes, they just got to go uh, for any kind of self-preservation reasons why. So that'll probably be gone by the time I get home. It'll be gone. So, but it'll be on Rumble and Rockfin. And of course, it'll be on all of the uh, the, the platforms for podcasting. I host it on SoundCloud, so you can go to the SoundCloud. All of this can be found on the on-demand section on QuiteFrankly.tv. Join the forum, go to the Sponsor Us tab, become a monthly sponsor. Even for as little as $1 a month, it helps the bottom line in huge ways. It helps 10 times fold in just inspiration and motivation. And then, of course, you get to come in on all of the unlisted streams on Sunday. Unlisted streams, other promotions and things that we're developing for the future, and I uh, can't tell you how much I appreciate you, and guests and friends like Jason Burmis. So we will be right back. Don't go anywhere. Uh, we have a little bit of a uh, music video break after the intermission as well. Another, uh, another set the charge with yours truly on the drums. Little ditty for you all that is right in line with our conversations tonight so far. So see you then. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. 
Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. <laughs> quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you're going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you?
Back we are, back we are. <clears throat> that was on the set list last Thursday as well. It's on the uh, it's on the piece of paper that we'll see who's going to be winning that when I get back from the Labor Day break. I'm not taking the week off because it's the commie holiday of Labor Day. It just happens to be that Monday. I said, all right, well, one more day. Welcome back, 824. So, a few things that I want to do with you right now. First thing is checking in on the mailbox. The Super Chats, quite frankly, superchat.com. First one up is from Stostube. Stostube, what's going on, Christos? What's going on, Sarah? Says, we always listen to, we would always listen to you, Frank. No vaccine. Ha. Yeah, no, see. I understand. I'm just, who am I? I'm just a loud mouth from New York. And my family knows me better than anybody, which is why they, they, take, they take me even less seriously. I mean, you're talking about people who changed my diapers. Whatever. We're all in the same boat, right? Lenny Kinney says, Blessings and virtual group hug for the Frankly Family Vibe Tribe. One love, Lynn. Hate losing. Thank you so much for a generous blessing. No message, but I can feel the love. Thank you, hate losing. I hate losing as well. Chef Jay Kinney says, Hi, Frank. Love the show. Great guests. You are on fire. Keep on crushing it. I appreciate it, Chef Jay. I really do. Hello to everybody on Rockfin. Hello to everybody on Rumble. And hello to everybody on Pilled. We have a couple of uh, gold pills in there. Uh, it's Wednesday night. So that means that we have Mystery Movie... No, no, no. I'm sorry. It's Rabbit Hole Wednesdays. Oh, I just got a, I just got a text message. Said, I think we have a new potential cat person with darty eyes... Burmus here. Someone is shining a laser pointer over there or something. I I mean, listen. I have been surprised lately by how many people may be cat persons. But I think that Jason was... was there's another a monitor. There's another uh, a monitor off to the side and maybe... I don't know what was going on. I saw him checking off to the side there too. But now we have another... We have another potential cat person with darty eyes, <laughs> darty eyes, Burmus. <laughs> oh, no, not another cat person. Here's the thing with Jason. When he comes on September 12th, I will be able, I can, I can bring it up to him right away and he will address the cat thing straight on. I have... I have Timothy Alberino coming back on the show on September 30th. And I don't know how I'm going to bring it up, but I feel like it needs to be addressed. You, you, you just leave it to me. I have to kind of, I have to find a way to soften everything up, get a couple of laughs out of people, a couple crack a few jokes, get nice and com comfy. Then again, Timothy Alberino has been coming on the show for, what, two years now? A year and a half? You'd think that we would be comfortable enough to have a talk about whether or not he's a cat person at this point I don't know some people just you have to you have to warm up a little but I'll bring it up to to, to Jason he'll tell us straight out whether or not he's um, he's anything other than human Swickley says unveiled mysteries is a great book true story 
unveil, we'll add it to the thread on Quite Frankly Forum that John Otter started. Thank you, Sean Joe, Dognuts10, Sean Joe again, Pam D, Tom Ford, and Nat Hendy. Wonderful crowd. It is Rabbit Hole Wednesdays on QuiteFrankly.tv. So in a half hour, when this show concludes, you go to QuiteFrankly.tv and jump into the into the chat room and enjoy yourself. I can't wait. I can't wait. I had somebody ask me, Frank, what were those pills that were on your desk? Oh, that was Molly. Five. Five. I dropped five. So I'm going to be high until Thursday. That was my desiccated beef liver, or as I call it, desecrated beef liver uh, capsules. I have those in between, in between meals and shakes and all that stuff, just to keep, just to keep the protein coming in and stuff like that. It's uh, it's good. It's good. I had to take about ten five hundred milligram capsules a day. So I break it up into five and five. Got one more thing to eat before I go to sleep tonight. Then I've been been doing a lot of packing too, so. But I did a lot of it today, so I I have a little to do tonight. Been doing all right. All right, uh, we're gonna take calls in a little bit. Calls in a little bit, you can talk about anything. The big Politico, article and and what that means as far as future attacks on Trump how you think he's going to deal with it that's another one that's another way that uh, that's another thing I would be interested to hear from people but you know the uh, the psychic exploration episode since we did a little bit about spirit and psychic uh, exploration and 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 development tonight with Jason Burmis I gotta remind I gotta remind you and I have some notes here that were just here for whenever I, I should should probably play it for you or read it to you because why not? Maybe I'll do that in just a little bit. We'll take some calls now. 914-595-6953. And in the meantime, you remember last night I brought up um, Aristophanes' Revenge? He wrote for the American Mind and was talking about accidental, the accidental revolution of what the internet really means, especially to the proliferation of information well he put out another thread about this twitter guy and here's what he says i know some people are are a little bit more i don't know at a distance they keep themselves at a distance from all these whistleblowers especially the ones that get a lot of attention it seems like the ones the whistleblowers who are most interesting to listen to are the ones who either go directly to james o'keefe or get ignored altogether and eventually get clipped which is a very morbid way of looking at who's worthy of listening to right anyway aristophanes thinks that this guy actually is a um a pretty good pretty good candidate to be listened to Take a take a look at this. Uh, Anons need to be paying attention to this. Mudge is not some normal whistleblower. He's he's a pretty greatest of all time tier, goat tier, old school member of the hacker community from back in the day, and a very moral guy as well, in my opinion. Uh, former this and he's retweeting a tweet from the recount that says former Twitter security chief Peter Mudge Zatko 
in a whistleblower complaint claims security vulnerabilities at the company pose a serious threat to democracy. Zadko provided documents detailing his accusations to Congress and several federal agencies. Who's he talking to? And under what conditions? If Democrats are leading the, um, and, and most Republicans, depending, has to see who the hell they are. But it depends on who are, we, like, for example, the Facebook whistleblower, the chick that came forward and she was a complete, what was her name? I forget. Complete farce. Came forward and talking to all of these very, very warm-hearted Democrats. I said, oh, this is, I, I, I might as well watch the days of our lives. Anyway, this is a little 35-second clip from CNN, so they're covering it. Listen to this. A Twitter executive turned whistleblower is now calling attention to security vulnerabilities that he says pose a threat to national security, even democracy. And this is someone who is very high up, former Twitter head of security, Peter Zatko, alleging the social media giant's leadership misled its own board and government regulators about security vulnerabilities that could potentially open the door for foreign spying, hacking, and disinformation campaigns. Those are stunning, serious claims sent to Congress and several federal agencies last month. Again, it's being covered on CNN. And I know that every every trash bin of propaganda, uh, state propaganda and lies needs some truth in there. So to build credibility and, and whatever, I don't know. Anyway, Aristophanes, on the other hand, I like his writing and I, I appreciate his thoughts on things. So I'm going to get a little bit more into this thread. Here, here's what he says. If you want to know a little bit about this guy, who he is, just watch for yourself. He's been trying to build bridges between the adversarial relationship of government and, and uh, I guess, civ? Is that civilian? I don't know. For a long time, I consider him morally beyond reproach. And it's a, I don't know, maybe I'll get this clip and we can put it into some network rotation. It is some footage of... This Mudge guy, Peter Zatko, at DEFCON 21, Unexpected Stories from a Hacker Who Made It Inside the Government by Peter Mudge Zatko. So you can watch that with discernment if you'd like. It's over an hour long. I checked it out before, so I'm not going to be able to play it right now. But the too-long-didn't-read-version version, version, Mudge was the head of security at Twitter. He's a guy who's worked for DARPA and one of the first people to intricately understand writing buffer overflows. Parag fired him after Jack left when he informed the board of security issues. Here's a excerpt from the news. But according to Zatko's complaint, after Dorsey stepped down as CEO in November 2021, and Zatko informed members of Twitter's board that protections for sensitive user data were weaker than they had been told, the new CEO, Parag Agrawal, fired him. Washington Post got the exclusive. You can hit refresh and then stop the button quick enough and bypass their paywall, but Mudge coming out as a whistleblower is a pretty serious deal. He's one of the guys who wrote uh, IO, uh, what was this, IOPT crack? I-O-P-H-T crack. One of the most common password crackers ever written. Mudge is a hacker royalty working at places like Stripe, DARPA, and eventually Twitter just to establish his credentials here. And then complaint documents links there. 
here's a quote, they were concerned that if accurate measurements ever became public, it would harm the image and valuation of the company. I posit that the real hidden secret here is something else entirely, though, and it has little something to do with nudging blue checks, journalists, and celebs on Twitter using Pavlovian, Pavlovian psychology. Hear me out. You've all seen me remark before on random regime mouthpieces having 300,000 followers and getting the engagement of an account with 2,000. Yeah, I see that a lot. Uh, Alec Baldwin was like that, actually. I used to make fun of him every time he tweeted because nobody would... He has them over a million. Whatever. He's a murderer. And obviously, we all go, duh, they have bots boosting their follow count. But I think it goes deeper than that, Aristophanes continues. Or as I lovingly call them, Aristophanes. If you could use bots to influence what topics journalists and celebs tweeted about or wrote about, say, what if, say, in 2015, journalists suddenly got crazy engagement every time they said orange man bad and a big fat dopamine hit to complement the follower count? Well, I I think that this is pretty much what's going on with the Twitter trending cork board. You have the same crap that's up there every day that has less than 2,000 tweets that support the trending topic. Nonsense. Nonsense. And we just and we just read that story about Demcast last night in the opening. Let's say you then go and write a normal story about anything non-political and get shitty engagement in exchange for your efforts. That's sad. But when you write another article with the absurd premise like why not voting for Hillary, why not voting for Hillary is racist because you don't want to plagiarize. It gets mad engagement again. People want to hear you rag on the orange man. So I guess what he's saying is that you have a little bit more of a way to influence people's free will by getting them chemically dependent to what the algorithm is rewarding. And by that metric, you can actually invoke the action of real live people, not bots, to make things trend, to help groupthink, hive mind mentality grow in one way or another. There's probably so many uses. We talk about dual use. There's probably dozens and dozens of uses. But that's where we're at. Who knows? That's one thing. Another thing with Aristophanes, he was describing old school, old school conspiracy theorists and how people had to share what would be considered controversial information prior to the age of the internet and, and all this stuff where you're listening to late night AM talk radio, you're getting pamphlets at gun shows and you're going to secret meetings at the docks and all that stuff. Well, I came across this, I guess, um, a video of a lumberjack. I don't know if he's a Canadian lumberjack, whatever. He's got to be in his mid-60s, but he's still built like a brick shit house just because of the kind of life that he has definitely lived for decades. And I want you to listen to this guy because I think it, it's more that mentality of those who were in the know, did know the time of day from far longer than the internet has been around. And uh, I just really like the message that he put out there. I think you would too. Here you go. I took the time the other day to make a video while I was trimming a horse. Spoke my mind about Marcus Ray and his movement. I'm not going to go back on what I said. I meant what I fucking said. But now I got a bunch of people asking me, oh, what are we going to do? What should we do? Educate yourselves. Spread the word. The United Nations has just declared war on the truth. They're telling you outright, 
that if you speak up, your conspiracy theories shouldn't be believed, should be approached in a certain fashion, and the authorities should be contacted, and all kinds of neat shit. So they want war? Arm yourselves with facts. Get out there and start telling the people. If you don't want to do it on social media, do it in person. Do it on the telephone. Do it like we used to do, standing around on the street corner having a coffee. By the way, I would love to stand around on a street corner having a coffee with this guy, talking about just one thing or another. That's awesome. Do you know who your enemy is? A World Economic Forum? For 51 years they've been working at this. They've been planning and scheming, working as hard as they can. And now, here we are. Klaus Schwab has admitted that for over 45 years, they've been working directly with the CCP. Well, now here we are in Canada and the US. We got 5G, military grade 5G technology right across the country. Where did it come from? Who owns that technology? And what's gonna happen when they don't like us anymore? Get to know your enemy. Get to know the facts. Speak the fuck up and be a warrior. That's what we need to do instead of following Marcus like a bunch of fucking sheep. Hell yes. Hell yes. That's what I'm talking about. I love that. Now that just really got me. That's awesome. That's another reason why I don't want to give up on, on the radio medium. That one day I hope... I hope... In, in fact, if there's anybody out there that owns, operates any kind of radio stations around this country or the world and you want to syndicate this show... Get in touch with me. I know that I have a potty mouth, but let's see what we can make work. That would just be great. There is not one, I don't think there is. I think in the past somebody had asked me some small station either in Alaska or Pennsylvania, but I never heard back from them again. Um, these are the type of guys and gals that I always think of on the other end of a radio listening to things and trying to get a little something that they'd rather not go looking for on the internet. Old school types. They're fantastic, aren't they? Uh, let's see what else we have here. Oh, we have another cat person confirmed. This is just incredible. I got an email. It's Jason Burmis with cat ears. Cat person confirmed. I don't know if I'm going to be able to take this anymore. Everybody in my life. What's happening to everybody in my life? On Rockfin, uh, Tina Hagen. Thank you so much, Tina Hagen, for the tip. And over on Rumble, we've got Selling the Farm says, Come see us in Florida when you're here. Wish I could meet you if you go to see Chris Ann. I'd love to miss, uh, to uh, meet Chris Ann one day, and we will. That will happen. Hamtown Girl 78 says, Great show. Thank you, Hamtown. It's great to have you out there. really is. Mama Q says, how will Donald Trump handle it? Like always, a boss. Hi, Frank. Hello. Now, here's the thing. Like a boss, what does that mean? What does that mean? Because this was something he patted himself on the back for. He was made by the people around him to believe 
that this was the good, the, the right step forward and it was going to help people and blah, 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 and whatever the hell else. They are not pinning him with something that they fabricated. They're pinning him with something that is real, that happened, that, that they and I, I, some of his advisors put him in this position. It's a bad position. It is a bad position. Now, um, there is going to be a certain level of cognitive dissonance with people who took the shots and they just want to continue going on thinking that they did the right thing and all that. But there's going to also be, this will also be a, a, an opportunity for some people to break the cognitive dissonance and find a reason to come out and be dissatisfied with some kind of an ailment they're suffering from, someone they know suffered from, something that preserves the pursuit of this type of science, that preserves all their reasoning why, but can specifically, specifically cut out some condemnation just for a person they've been trained to hate unlike anybody else in their lives before we'll see it's just all speculation at this point it's just one article it's still 2022 you just don't know but uh that's something that i i see as significant so i wanted to make sure we let off with it tonight nocturnal one says just lurking an astro emmy is hanging out through a can at my head. Thank you so much for the can, Astro Emmy. All right, obviously something's going on with the Skype because we have not gotten one call. So I'm going to sign out of there. It's 8.45. Real quick, ladies and gents, I am going to... Uh, let's do this. There's no reason going on a call right now or, or a uh, break right now with only a couple minutes left. And now it's pinwheeling probably too many people trying to get through this is the way it is this is just the way it is all right real quick real quick break i'll get this all worked out be back at jiff poses the biggest threat to you in the tournament <laughs> if i get drunk and fall down hurt myself i might lose sure babe what's your name Darlene. Excuse me, what's the story behind this pending paternity suit against you? Oh, that's not a case at all. The woman's a stone-faced liar. Let's not even talk about that. I, I pulled out her really early on that one. Sorry. Thanks for coming. You're listening to Quite Frankly. What is this book? That miserable little diary of yours. Here's the map. The book is useless, and yet you come all the way back to Berlin to get it. Why? What are you hiding? What does the diary tell you that it doesn't tell us? It tells me that goose-stepping morons like yourself should try reading books instead of burning them. So, we made a robot here. Uh, Tesla Labs. Mm? Uh, got pretty weird. Got pretty weird. Uh, robot became self-aware. Mm? Began eating people. Yeah, got very weird. Very weird. Uh, killer robot got out. Uh, escaped the lab. Mm? Uh, it, 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 it will kill us all. It's going to kill us all. Mm? Uh, we've got a week to live. Mm -hmm. mm, week and a half, maybe. So use your time wisely, I would say. Uh, Watch Spaceballs. <laughs> great movie, great movie, great movie, Spaceballs. Mm. May the Schwartz be with you. <laughs> so, um, Happy New Year. Uh, this is the last one. 
we're, we're all going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 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 we're all going to die. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, we're taking some calls for the last couple of moments here. That's that. Yeah, there you go. Let's talk some shit. Quite frankly, 914-595-6953. Let's talk some shit, bitch. First one up is 718, area code. What's going on, 718? Yeah, hey, Frank. It's uh, it's uh, Bev. How you doing? How you doing, Beth? Bev, yeah. Beth, okay, what's going on? How you been? Yeah, I've been pretty good. Um, I just, one of the things I wanted to throw out there was, you know, obviously Fauci is stepping down at the end of the year, and I find it quite coincidental with the stories that are coming out in Politico, Hmm. and also coincidental with the studies that are now making it onto the internet that there may be immunosuppression going on here because people are getting cancer. So I just think those things are pretty interesting, and I'd like to hear your thoughts. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Frank. I, I love you, man. You know what? You, you, Bye-bye. I, what, what else can I add to that? It, it's, 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 it's spot on. I mean, it's all clustered. So, amazingly clustered. You have all these res- resignations announced. Not only is uh, Fauci going off into the horizon, into the sunset with his gigantic uh, accumulative pension, but a lot of the people around him that assisted him are going off. Now you have the first salvo of this uh, new potential weapon against Donald Trump in the pol- in the uh, the press slash political sphere that is going to be used as well baked into it a very controlled admission that things are going terribly wrong with you know with the injections they are going terribly wrong and we're only two years into it we don't even know how bad this is going to get so i i think you i think you put it out you put it out there in a very very concise package there beth well, thanks, man, and I thanks for all that you do for us, and uh, love your show. My mom used to watch your show with me. She absolutely adores you. She always loved the ending with all the old-timey videos. So, yeah, just keep up the good work, man. Thank well, you. Well, send, send my love to mom, please. Thanks, man. All right, talk to you soon. And email anytime. I know how hard it is to get through on, on the on the call, on the uh, the show with, with just the one Skype line, and I know how hard it is. So if you ever have anything you want to send in, don't feel frustrated that you can't get in. I, I don't know how I still do it, but I get through most of the emails every day. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. All uh, right. Yeah, I'll try that if I don't get through, but I got lucky tonight. So. <laughs> yes, you did. Well, I, I, I wish you all the luck in the world. Buona fortuna and uh, a più tardi. All right. That's what we have. I mean, hey, it's as simple as that. These stories are going to just cluster. They're going to cluster. Chad from Utah. What's going on, Chad? What's going on, Frankie? Oh, just chilling. I just wanted to... Hey, sorry. I just wanted to call and talk shit about Anthony Fauci and that he's weasel dick ass is scurrying out of there, and that's good for him. I hope that he gets freaking 
dealt with anyway. Yeah. But that's uh, all I wanted to say. I just wanted to say that he's a fucking pile of shit. Well, that's I. Uh, it sounds. I don't know why, why it sounds so endearing coming from you right now, Chad. But I really enjoyed the call and thank you for that. Have a good night, Frank. Thanks. All right, take care. He almost sounded not mad. <laughs> he almost sounded. He almost sounded like he wasn't mad. <clears throat> Uh, let's see here. Let's see what else. What else do we have? 914-595-6953. It's 8.53. So I think we're just going to leave it at this. I think we're going to leave it at this. There's a lot more I wanted to do. I had the Martin Geddes piece that I thought was fun. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with it. Because it's not that long. And... You know, we talk a little bit more spiritual warfare. We talk a little bit more secular as well. This is going to ha- harp in on the secular, and remind me of. Um, I think this. I think it's the the the, the sub headline that is most profound here, most powerful enough a statement in itself, and here it is: the future of communications blog. Questions worth pondering. Questions worth pondering. And this was in late July. And the subheadline is to be awake is to abandon certainty for uncertainty. Here are some questions. How white are the white hats? There are people sacrificing everything in order to end human trafficking and take down those who commit this heinous crime. But given how the intelligence agencies have been have been bad systems with mostly good people, individual acts of honor and bravery can distract from the overall less good picture. Is the war really black hat globalists versus white hat patriots, or is it more nuanced with a gray hat alliance comprising anti-Satanist faction of the cabal? Another question. To what extent is this a war against the deep state versus an internal ruling class power struggle? Are mafias inevitable? And we just have to get rid of the genocidal super mafia. How many of the resistance are criminals, not just kitty fiddling? Who really put Q-drops out there and what's their end goal? Given how the public is disinformed and misinformed, what is the role of representative government, especially in this condition? How do you tame the inevitable authoritarianism needed to break to keep people alive in the transition from dark to light? That's an interesting one there. He writes, all of these have a little bit more of an explanation there, but we don't have that much time. He writes, if we accept for the sake of argument that humanity is in a rebirth process, then we are very vulnerable and need some level of parental care and supervision during the transition back to independence and sovereignty. We will not always be in a position to make the best choices on our own behalf. For instance, dealing with poisoned food and medicine. This implies some benevolent authoritarianism, but to whom are those authoritarians accountable? And how is this power made to diffuse rather than to concentrate again? Great, great point. We've talked about this with free energy. I'd love to get somebody on some kind of an academic that can help us with what a real transition. Let's say that the, ce- the the concrete ceiling broke and fell all around us. And suddenly we know how to draw energy, limitless amounts of energy in, a, in, in abundance, far more than what we require to maintain and, not, and grow 
our standard of living right now. Something that could be extracted by people, by households, by localities in very free, safe, cheap ways. That you don't need Con Edison, you don't need anything. What happens when you really start getting truly energy independent? Because that is such a major part of all costs of living. It is, it is, it is put into everything. It's put into the cost of everything from your rent to milk to gas. You don't need gas anymore. What does that do to trillions of dollars that have been invested in this system? How do you wean from one place to the other? Whereas it is a step forward into a bright future, how do you not destroy everything around you in the meantime? You know, there could be a lot of, for such an amazing discovery and an amazing advancement, there could be a lot of people that die during the transition process if it's not handled very neatly. To say we got to get rid of the welfare state is an understatement, but you can't just pull, I mean, you will kill tens of millions of people if you just say, it's it, it's over. Now, of course, the system can just collapse. The supplies can just not be there. The trucks just never show up and it happens anyway. But if you can do this responsibly, what is there to do it? What kind of authoritarianism is needed to keep people alive in the transition? Is such an that is such a huge I mean there's a, there's definitely a show and a half baked into that one question alone which I'm going to make sure that I keep around because there is, um, we got to dive into that. We got to talk about that, especially from the standpoint of energy, welfare, everything, even the rest of the world. We are welfare for the rest of the world now too. There's more. Martin asks, are we destined to have managed free speech where some difficult things that might return us to chaos or arms or armed dangers are, cir- are circumscribed. How meaningful is any analysis if you lack the full interplanetary history as context? What are the levels of understanding in this awakened game, and how can you know what the real scope of the big picture is? He, he asks, he, he ends by saying, looking toward the end state, is there an outer limit to the universe of discourse we can inhabit? Is that a property of the cosmos or a constraint innate to being human? What might the ultimate knowing look like if such a thing is meaningful? Have we even got the right axis of development by seeing this life as being about gaining knowledge rather than spiritual wisdom? What are the compass points that we should navigate by in growing our sense of the world and life? So these are very, very big questions that do not have quick answers. They don't. They do not. Whether you're a person of faith, whether you're agnostic, whether you're an atheist, that's just the spiritual side of things. That's not even just the secular practical side of things. There's no easy answer to all of them, and I think that they are starting points for wonderful conversations that we will certainly have on this show. So to give up certainty for uncertainty, it's a big one. That is a big one. And that's going to go into a little bit more of what um, what I got, some of the the more in-depth thoughts that were sent in to me about that show that we did with William Stoll last Wednesday about, you know, he's on a mystic quest, of course. And uh, we we're talking about psychic exploration. In fact, I have one one message here that we can get into at some point soon. 
but not now because it's 9 o'clock. And it's time for you guys to go off and have, in, uh, have a nice, enjoyable evening. And hopefully you take, quite frankly, TV along the ride for you. Whether you're going to walk the dog, you just put your earbuds in, you listen to what we have going on on Rabbit Hole Wednesdays tonight. And then you get home, you can cast it to your television and have yourself a nice bowl of Italian ice. Or something else. Some seltzer and lime. Who knows? Tomorrow's another day. It's the last day of the week. Last day before vacation, before I come back on September 6th. So I hope you're all here, 7 o'clock, with a wonderful show with Jay Gulanello. And who knows? I always leave. I always uh, leave the hope open that that Rob won't feel um, too wiped out after work, and will come by and uh, and chill. So I'll see you at seven o'clock, one way or another. It's going to be a great show. I have a lot of great questions. I think topics that you guys and gals who are always thinking about ways of optimizing your health, especially, will enjoy. So until then, ladies and gentlemen, let me make sure I did not miss anybody on the. The tips and all that other stuff. Fat Boy Vince says, have a great time on vacation. One more day left, Vince, but thank you so much. Q Revere says, ultimate red pill defense. As bad as this clot shot is, the only vaccine uh, ever safety tested with an insert placebo pre-licensure. Wait, ultimate red pill defense. As bad as this clot shot is, it's the only vaccine ever safety tested with an inert placebo pre-licensure you're going to have to send me an email uh, expanding on that in layman's terms um, only because I want to be able to test test the logic and the and, the, and whatever um, I, like I said from the beginning there's no reason why he should have been doing this there's no reason why he should have stood in the way of, of the creation of all this stuff he should not have been promoting it should not have been patting himself on the back there's no getting around that obviously he's going to need some something to defend himself against from a pr standpoint if this persists and this is going to actually be a concerted effort this is the one place that they're going to really attack really hard on he's going to need some defenses that are going to have to play out in the court of public opinion and God knows how many civil suits this will now turn into if now Democrats are throwing that out into the, into the open air and saying, oh, well, wow, wow, this thing was not properly safety tested and it was rushed for political purposes for an election. How many people who have been in denial of what this shot has done to them and their family will no longer be in denial when they think that they can sue Donald Trump because of it? Uh, who knows where this goes? But I would like to hear some of your your ideas as far as what a defense could be. Minnesota Cat says, I'll be in New York City September 2nd to the 4th with my sister to settle my son, uh, my son Harlem for university. What is your recommendation for cool local stuff to see or to places to eat? You know, I don't even know. I don't even know. Uh, You can go to a Yankee game. You can go to a Yankee game. That's a pretty safe place. But I have not been in the the city for recreation in a couple years. And a lot of the places we used to go to have closed down. And I get nothing but bad reviews from people about how things are going. So I I don't don't know what to tell you. And I don't mean to tell you that because you have a child that is going to be going to university. But um, I just don't know what's open anymore. 
I, I, I used to love the hookah bars. My favorite hookah bar in, in New York City was the, the Horace Kebab House. That was on Avenue B and 6th Street. Wonderful place. Last time I went there, I had the, the rear window of my, uh, my, uh, my, my car smashed in. You remember when I told you that story? That was September 2019. Still, I wanted a wonderful place. Great lamb kebabs. Fantastic. The, the, the chief, the guy there that's been there for a long time, packing those hookahs and coming around, making sure the coals are fresh and everybody's happy, his name was Chico. And on Saturday night, Saturday night at 11 o'clock on the dot, they would have special entertainment show up, whether it be a belly dancer with the sparkling candles on her head and all that stuff, and you can bounce quarters off of her stomach, or uh, the saxophone player who comes in and just jams out to pop hits. But the, It was awesome. It's a great place. I'm sure it's still there because um, good hookah places, you got to keep them in business. And I miss those days. I really do. So now we have to create Horace Cafe in here, though. I have no lamb. I have no lamb to offer you, my friends. Mama Time Lord, thank you. Minnesota Cat, again, kick-ass song, Frank. Love it. Cheers to you and the band. Thank you all very much. And remember, everybody here has entered themselves into the next raffle for my drumstick and the set list. I will see you all tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Don't be anywhere but here. All right. See you later. Quite frankly, TV. I'll see you right there. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, film before a live studio audience, and now our super chatter, starting with Fat Boy Vince, Q Revere, Minnesota Cat, Time Lord, Mama Time Lord, Stostube, Linny Kinney, Hate Losin', Chef J Kinney, and Stostube. Thank you to everybody on Foxhole. I will be there hanging out with you before you know it. And remember, please subscribe to Rumble and BitChute and any other place to host these videos because I delete a lot of them on YouTube. This one will be gone in moments. Bye-bye.